whenever my wife and I first got married, we quickly discovered that we were two different people. Um, I don't know if you are married, have been married, or have ever had like a new roommate or something, but you quickly discover you are two unique individuals. I didn't know this, but there is a certain way you're supposed to reload the toilet paper. I don't know if you guys have discovered that, okay? Um, so let's just do a quick survey. Is anyone like the toilet paper has to be facing out? Okay. Anyone, it has to be facing in? Okay, a couple of you guys. Anyone, you're like, I don't know and I don't really care about that? Okay, that's some of you guys in the room. Okay, so I discovered that, like I found that out. Um, I also found out my wife, like a madman, squeezed the toothpaste from the middle. So I would come behind her almost every day with my toothbrush and slowly roll up the toothpaste, right? So it looks nice and neat on the bottom and it's flat, okay? I grew up and every night, like my clothes just kind of went beside my bed. And Sarah didn't really care for that, okay? Quickly found that out. And she put her clothes away every night, but I'd kind of get a pile for a few days and then put them away. I quickly discovered that being married, there were some things that I was going to have to learn or change. It was going to be unique living with someone else. I found that out um, quickly. Maybe you've experienced that in different ways with a roommate. It could be with a sibling, or if you are married, you know, in a situation like that, like those things you quickly discovered, it's difficult having two different people come together, live together, and kind of mesh their lives together. But let me tell you, um, after almost 25 years, we're going to celebrate 25 years this year um, for our anniversary, and that's um, pretty crazy. Yes. Let me tell you this. Um, I've learned that being around Sarah, having been around her for almost 25 years now, like she has made me a better Christ follower, a better husband, a better parent, a better pastor, a better person. Just being around her, my life has been shaped and formed differently because of how God has used her in my life. Let me also tell you this, because this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're asking questions about Christianity, you need to know this, that coming to Christ means you have a new roommate, Maybe no one's ever told you that before. Maybe you've never stopped and considered that. But whenever you become a Jesus follower, whenever you come to that moment of God, I'm not going to try to do this on my own anymore. I tend to mess up things in my life. And you invite God into your life. You desire to have a relationship with God. You have a new roommate that moves into your life, and his name is Holy Spirit. God's Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe when you prayed a prayer, no one told you that. But I'm telling you that this morning, and there are moments of difficulty. And I want to talk to you this morning. What does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? What does it mean when we as individuals who have tried to do things on our own way, in our own strength, our own ability, now have God himself living, residing, and abiding inside of us? What does that mean for us? What is it that the scripture says about that? So I want to talk to you about that this morning. A spirit-filled life. What does it look like to have a new roommate? The first thing that we need to acknowledge and think about when we talk about God living and residing in us is that Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. Now, that may seem like weird wording to you, especially if you're new to church. So let me just explain that. Um, God's Spirit is not an it. He's not a thing, Okay. I know um, in the church kind of culture that I grew up in, a lot of times he was referred to as Holy Ghost, and that seemed kind of spooky and weird to me because ghosts were never a good thing. 
But he is a person of the Trinity. And so without going into too much detail in the scriptures, we see that God presents himself um, is manifested in three personhoods. And that's father, son, spirit. That's what we see in the scripture. That's how God shows himself. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go to the scripture where we see this in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus is, this is, matter of fact, kind of what we're celebrating this week um, with the Last Supper, Good Friday, and Easter um, Sunday morning. This is around this time. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It's on the night that he's eating the Last Supper with them and he's getting ready to be betrayed. And look at what he says. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. So that word simply there, like your translation may say helper, may say counselor, will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. God is saying, or Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to place him inside of you. He's going to live and dwell there. You've got a new roommate in your life, and I'm giving him to you, and he is going to help you out. Just a few minutes later in the conversation, in John 16, verse 7, he says this, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I'm leaving. Jesus is talking to this group of 12 young men that he's spent three years of his life with, but he's also talking about other pe- to other people that will follow him. And this is what he says. Jesus is like, it's better that I don't stay here on this earth. He's saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. And then I'm going to ascend and go back to heaven with my father. But I'm not leaving you alone. I am giving you my spirit. Holy Spirit's going to dwell inside of you. So he says, it's to your advantage that I leave. For if I do not leave, the helper... Once again, Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're someone that's just new to church and you're asking questions, what does it look like to be a Christian? You need to know this. You're inviting a new roommate into your life. To be a Christian is to live this spirit-filled life where we allow Holy Spirit to abide inside of us and where we abide in him, and he begins to work inside of our life. This is the process of being a Jesus follower. Now, Jesus tells these words to his disciples, and then you fast forward uh, just a couple of decades, and the church kind of had forgotten this in some ways. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn this morning to Galatians chapter 5, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at this idea of what does it look like for Holy Spirit to live in us. And this idea right here that as we abide in him, And as he abides in us, he bears fruit in our life, okay? Now, that word abide, once again, that may be difficult for you. So just think, hanging out, spending time, he's with you 24-7. What you're doing, he is doing with you, and you're following his lead, Holy Spirit working inside of our life. The church had kind of forgotten this. They had made this thing that we call Christianity, they had made it kind of about a list of rules and um, some guidelines, like that's kind of what they boiled Christianity down to. And so in this letter, so this letter was written to a number of churches, most likely, in a region called Galatia, hence the title Galatians, okay? And so there were probably, um, think of like the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There were maybe a bunch of cities kind of all together, and this letter probably would have been passed around from church, so it would have been read on a Sunday morning gathering, much like this, and then passed around. And it was written by a guy named Paul. Just in case you've never read this, I'll give you a little bit of context. So this may have been one of the first places that Paul traveled to 
um, as we see him start to plant churches and go to, he, we know he went to kind of the Arabia area, which is modern-day Turkey, and that's where this area was. So this may have been one of the first places that he goes to. And so he's writing them this letter a couple of years later because they have forgotten some core things of being a Jesus follower. And that is, there were people that came into the church and said this, yes, Jesus died for your sins. Yes, he died on the cross and he rose again. But in order to truly be saved, it's Jesus plus something else. Yes, God has forgiven you. God loves you. All of that's exactly right. But in order to make it to heaven, in order for God to really love you, it is the cross plus something else. And that's an entirely different message. But let me tell you, it should be a red flag in your life whenever someone is preaching Jesus plus something else. Because it is just the work of the cross that brings salvation into our life. It is what Christ has done in our acceptance of that gift of God in our life. So Paul's like, hey, you've kind of forgotten this. You've forgotten that God's spirit already lives inside of you. And you're trying to go back to your old, old ways. You're trying to do this on your own. And so he gives them this imagery of there are these works in your life. There's you trying to do it by yourself. And you can read this in Galatians chapter 5. And he's like... It leads to death. He lists these behaviors and actions and attitudes. He's like, it's going to lead to destruction in your life. But when you're abiding with Holy Spirit in your life, look at what he says. The fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance. Um, your translation may say patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the work of Holy Spirit inside of our life. Now, there's some things I'm going to pause right here because I want you to recognize this. This is not a message where I'm going to break down each of these words and tell you what it means to be loving or have joy or peace. You can go back later and study these. I want to more acknowledge what Paul is saying here in general, and that is this Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of your life. And what that means is that he is working alongside with you to produce these things inside of you. If you are a Christ follower, these things should be present in your life. It is a process of God working inside of you to do this. Some of us think this, we have kind of this mindset, that we come in here on a Sunday morning, we say a little prayer, and boom, God just hits you with love, right? Okay, or things are stressful at work, you, you pray a little prayer, and shazam, there is peace in your life. But what does Paul say? He says, this is fruit. And I know we're not really in an agricultural society. Probably the first readers of this letter, they were more in an agricultural society. And so they knew you don't stick a seed in the ground and all of a sudden, a few minutes later, you have lemons or you have figs or olives or whatever they grew in that region. It was a process. And it's an active process. You are not a passive participant in Christianity. You and I don't get to sit here and say, okay, God, make me more peaceful Make me more patient, God. Let me be kind to someone else. You and I are an active part in this. One Christian theologian and commentary writer said this. He ends with self-control because he wants to know you have to do your part. Holy Spirit is living in you, but it requires something of you to be active in this process. It's like this. Whenever our kids were younger, um, they'd be in the library reading. They'd be playing video games in the room, playing with toys or wherever. And I would say, hey, go ahead and come to the kitchen table, sit down and eat, okay? So they would come, wash their hands, sit down, eat. That's their whole process, right? And then they're going to complain about how good the food was. They hate to eat vegetables, right? They don't want to eat whatever it is. They are kind of passive in that. 
But I, as a parent, feel like my kids, when they leave the house, should know how to cook more than ramen noodles or macaroni and cheese, right? So whenever they become teenagers, and Gabriel right here on the front row can tell you I do this, I would call them before the meal was served. And now the teenagers that are still in the house, Jaren, Sophie, and Aiden, they do this, is we have these kind of pre-meal kits. Some of you guys may know that they have those, right? And everything is in this small brown bag, and so there's veggies and sauces and spices and meat, and there are step-by-step instructions of what you do, right? So now they're a part of that, of cooking the meat, of making the sauces, of knowing when the meat is done, of putting the whole meal together. They're an active part in that. They're no longer just sitting and receiving the food. They're in the process of cultivating this. This is what Paul wants you to see. Holy Spirit is living in your life, and you are an active part of these things being produced inside of you. You don't just get to sit back as a Christian. God's saying, I want to work with you. Why? Because this is a relationship. That's what Paul is drawing their attention to. This is a relationship. You're not doing this on your own, and God's not doing it on his own. You're working together in this for these things to be produced inside of you. So Paul's drawing their attention. You need to be active in this. And then he goes on to say this, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. He's saying when you got a new roommate, a spirit-filled life looks like this. Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and you have said no to death. Because your passions and your desires and my passions and my desires, they are going to lead to death, right? Our natural tendencies do not take us to good places. You know this if you've ever been around a little kid, right? Because no one has to go up to a three-year-old and say, let me teach you how to be selfish, right? Let me teach you at a very young age how to say mine and not share. No, we do the opposite, right? You got to be kind. You got to share. In kindergarten, you learn that. Don't cut in line. All of those things, right? Our natural tendency, no one's teaching their kid, let me show you how to lie better. Or if you are, I need to talk with you after service, okay? Because that's not a good thing. Like, no one's teaching us to do bad things. It's our natural tendency. And Paul is saying, you've said no to that. You've actually died to death. Those natural tendencies lead you to destruction. And as a Jesus follower, you've said no to that. And Holy Spirit is showing you a new way to live. He's showing you what true life really looks like. Like you and me, we've lived in death so long a lot of times. Whenever we start to realize that we don't even know we're dead, but our natural tendencies are leading us to destruction. And Paul's saying, you've killed those things in your life. And now God's spirit is working inside of you. He's living in you. He's dwelling in you and he's producing something new. And that is life. For the first time, you're really awaking to what true life is, to how God designed you to live, how you were meant to live, how you were meant to function. This is what a spirit-filled life looks like. But it's not only our natural tendencies. I mean, if we're honest, sometimes it's what's going on in our family of origin, right? I love how one of my favorite Christian authors, he says this, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's still in your bones. And he's like, sometimes there's stuff that happens in our family that we carry into our Christian faith that isn't the greatest thing. Like, I have to tell my kids this, I am not God, and I'm going to mess up pretty bad. And so just know this, that you're following him, not just following me, because he's a lot better father than I am. 
And so we need to acknowledge that. Sometimes there's things in our family, and this is what Paul is saying. There's these desires and these passions. There's ways that you grew up. There's even cultural things, right? There are ways our culture leads us away from God. The environment and the society that we've been raised in, that's what was happening in the churches in Galatia. There were some Jewish customs that they were trying to say, if you're a Christian, you have to do these Jewish things. And they're like, I'm not Jewish. And they said, I don't care if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to do this. And they were putting weights on them and burdens that God never called them to bear. It was a cultural thing. And Paul's saying, no, those tendencies of your natural self will lead to death. If you try to do this on your own, you're going to find destruction. But Christ comes in your life and he gives you Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit dwells in you and he's showing you a new way to live. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're still living the way you were before, you are missing it. Holy Spirit wants to work in your life to show you what true life looks like. That's what he's leading you to. That's where he's guiding you and directing you. Paul says this is what the spirit-filled life looks like. Stop trying to make it about a list of rules. The churches in Galatia, they had the same problem that we do, right? This is what they wanted Christianity to be. If I go to church two times out of four in the month, I'm a good Christian. If I read this many verses in the Bible, God loves me. If I do these things, like if I give a little bit of money, if I'm kind to my neighbor, if I don't cuss, like we put all of these lists of things and we say that's what a relationship is. Let me tell you, try to treat your wife like that. Like, hey, here's my little checkbox, and of course I'm good because I did these three things, and so I don't have to do anything else. No, Paul's saying this is a relationship. God's spirit is not an it, and he's not a thing. He's a person, and it deals with having a personal relationship with God, which means it's not a formula. It doesn't work like that. You've got to follow his leading. He's living with you. He's guiding you. He's directing you. He's showing new life. And so you can't run solo anymore, church. Being a Jesus follower means you don't get to do this thing on your own anymore. It's every day I'm being led by the Spirit, which is how Paul ends this section right here when he says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He said if you're a Jesus follower, you're living a Spirit-filled life, it means you're walking and you are keeping step with the Spirit. Now, let me pause and say this. We believe we are a spirit-filled church, that Holy Spirit dwells in us and lives in us. And there is so much more that he does that I don't have time this morning to talk about, that he gives us power to be the witnesses for Christ. The Bible says that. He gives us gifts. In Romans, we see this. In 1 Corinthians, we see this, all the gifts that he gives to the church. We're told that when we don't know what to pray, he begins praying through us, sometimes in other languages. This is all in the scriptures. This is the Bible. And I don't have time to go into all of that this morning. I just wanted to start here. Are you living full of the Spirit? Have you given control over your life for Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you and begin to live in this way where you're saying, every day I keep in step with the Spirit. I'm walking with Him. This is what I have discovered, you guys, is I knew this going into our marriage, but my wife is an amazing dancer. Okay? You guys may not know that about Sarah, but she really is. She did this in high school and knows all of these cool dance moves. Okay? And I am not, you guys. Okay? I'm a really bad dancer. I don't have rhythm. I can't hear the beat in music. If you ever see me try to clap on a Sunday morning, it's pitiful, you guys, okay? So I don't have the rhythm and everything. And I know as a guy, for the most part, I'm supposed to lead when we dance, 
right? We'll go on cruises, we're at weddings and different things. But what I've learned is if I will allow Sarah to lead, I look a lot better, you guys, okay? A lot better than I really am. And so I've tried to lead, and she'll say that, go ahead and lead, and I'll end up stumbling on my own foot, I'll step on her toes, like I don't know what direction we're supposed to be going. But if I will simply keep in step with her, I look pretty good. And I'm not even that great, you guys, but I tend to look good. And if I'll start to follow where she's leading and where she's moving and the direction that she's going, it tends to work out a little bit better for me. That's what Paul wants you to understand. That is Holy Spirit dwelling and living in your life. Keep in step with him, you guys. You try to do it on your own, you're going to stumble over your own feet. You're going to fall. You're going to trip. You're going to make a mess of it. But if you will follow his leading and his guidance, you're going to end up looking a lot better than you should. That's what Paul is saying. You have a new roommate. This is the spirit-filled life. He lives and he dwells inside of you. And he's working in you. What does that look like practically? It means, adults, that you go into your place of business, but you don't go alone. If you're a Jesus follower, Holy Spirit is there with you. And when you have a decision and you're like, I don't know what to do, or you're a leader, or you have employees under you that you're responsible for, you are not making that decision alone. You are pausing and saying, God, what direction are you moving in? Holy Spirit, where are you leading? Because I'm going to follow your lead. Students, you go into your classroom and everyone else is nervous about the test. And all of a sudden you realize, Holy Spirit, he's moving towards peace and you're just following his steps. God, I don't have to be overwhelmed or anxious because you are here with me. It's Holy Spirit in your family dinners, Holy Spirit at bedtime, Holy Spirit in what you watch, Holy Spirit looking at your computer screen with you. He's there, you guys. And so you are following his lead on what you click on and what you shut down and what you watch and what you say yes to and no to because you're simply saying, God, I'm following your lead because you're leading me to new life. And left to myself, I'm going to end up in destruction. Trying to make this a legalistic thing, I'm going to fail. But God, this is a relationship. You dwell inside of me and I want to live a spirit-filled life. You guys, he is going to lead you to new life every single time, you've just got to follow his steps. You've got to follow his guidance. We recognize that God has given us the gift of his spirit. That as followers of Jesus, or once again, if you're just asking questions, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means we surrender our life and our rights and our desires and our wants, and we say, God, I messed it up on my own. I want you in my life. And we begin to follow the lead as Holy Spirit directs us and guides us. That's what it means to live a spirit-filled life. And my prayer is that each of us would do that more and more. Like I said, it's a process. He's building, he's growing this, he has to cultivate it, but we're an active part of that. And you may be here this morning, and maybe this all seems new to you. You could be in this room, or maybe you're joining us online, and in your mind, it, it's about a list of rules God wants me to do the right things and not do the wrong things. And I got to try to earn God's love. That's not how this thing works. God wants a relationship with you. And the scripture is very clear. Left to yourself, left to myself. I mess it up pretty bad, you guys. I do the wrong thing all the time. But yet when I give myself to God, when I realize I'm in a relationship with him, he tends to lead me into life every single time. And that's what the scripture reminds us. We are broken people. We're messed up. 
And God, we need him as a savior. We need his forgiveness. And so that's what he did. He came. That's what we're remembering this next week, that he died on the cross for your sin and for my sin so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God because God wants to know you and he wants you to know him. That's his desire is to be in relationship with you. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, I'm disconnected from church, I'm disconnected from God, this morning that can change just by simply saying, God, I acknowledge that and I want you in my life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and just take a second and reflect. If you're joining us online, would you just examine your heart as well? Have you really, truly invited God into your life for a relationship? Have you acknowledged your mistakes and said, God, I can't fix them on my own? We're about to pray a prayer. We're all going to say this out loud together. And that's what it does. It acknowledges that, Jesus, I messed up and I need your forgiveness. It's inviting him in to say, God, I want you to be a part of my life. Just what we've talked about. I want you to lead me to new life. And it's acknowledging that, God, I desire that in my heart and my life. And if you'll pray this, I believe God will do that. And so I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me. And I want everyone in the room to say this out loud. Everyone joining us online, would you say this out loud? Because we don't want anyone praying by themselves. Let's all say this out loud together. Jesus, I come to you. And I acknowledge I've messed up. God, I've sinned. And I need your help. So I want your forgiveness in my life. I invite you in. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can you put your hands together and celebrate for anyone who prayed that prayer? The Bible says this, that all of heaven is rejoicing when one person comes back into a relationship with God, that the angels are dancing and celebrating in heaven because of that decision and because you're saying, God, I want a relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, if you prayed that, maybe you've been in church a while, but you've been disconnected with God, um, I want to encourage you in a next step that you can take, okay? And that is this, if you'll go this morning um, to newcommunity.co slash baptisms, and it's simply acknowledging baptisms is this kind of public declaration of our faith in Christ, of what God has done in us. And we're going to have baptisms in just a few weeks. And this is a great next step. Jesus did this to set an example and show us, hey, this is what it looks like to symbolize going from death to new life in God. And so I want to encourage you. It's a simple, great next step. Go to newcommunity.co slash baptisms. Or even if you've been in church for a little bit, but you've not been baptized, you can do that to say, God, I want to acknowledge the new life that you've given me and what you're doing inside of me. It is a great next step to take. And I want to give us an action step that all of us in this room, um, no matter if you're new to church or you've been coming for a while, can take um, from this message today. The first is this, just to invite Holy Spirit into your life um, and the moments as often as you can. So this week, how many times can you pause? before a meeting, before a conversation, before a decision, before you're about to do something and just acknowledge, Holy Spirit, you're here with me in this moment. I invite you into what I'm about to do. And the second is just, once again, to keep in step with him, allowing his fruits to grow in your life. Like those things are present inside of you. It's not worry, it's not anxiety, but God, I want to cultivate peace. It's not, you know, 
I'm depressed, but God, where can your joy be present in my life? God, how can I show kindness to others? Just start saying, God, I want to be in step with you because I want to cultivate that fruit um, in my life. I'm going to lead us in one more prayer, but this time, I say this every week, I want to invite you not to repeat after me, but would you just in your own words have a conversation with God and just say, hey, Jesus, I'm your follower. I acknowledge you've given me Holy Spirit in my life to work, to move in me. And God, I want your fruit in my life. I want you to be with me every moment of every day. Um, So just in your own words, you don't have to say anything specific. Would you just invite God in? Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of your spirit. You said that when you died on the cross and you rose again, Lord, you didn't leave us here abandoned. You didn't leave us as orphans, God. You gave us the gift of your spirit, God. And Holy Spirit, we want to walk with you. We want to invite you into every moment. And so I pray that, God, as the church is in their workplace, as the church is in their school classes, God, as the church is doing sports activities, God, as we're eating meals together, God, as we're doing all of these things, we recognize you are with us, God, as we're watching TV and listening to music, all of those things, God, we acknowledge you are a part of that. So lead us and guide us, God. You bring us into life. You show us a new way to live, Lord. That's the kind of church that we want to be, God. So help us to live like that, God, to live in the power of your spirit, to live walking with you every day in all that we do, God. That's the kind of church that we want to be. So I pray this over each of our lives in your name. Amen.